in the Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by, oh, what a treat, transportation queen, Meredith Clark. Oh, hello. Hello. We've already teased that on the show, right? That you I were working on that segment? Uh, I think so, but let's, like, let's, if we did talk about it, let's sort of leave it as a nice surprise okay, for, for when sure. people can watch uh, next week. We are back uh, on what Netflix. What show? In uh, case like, people don't yes, know. Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. Uh, we've returned for another cycle of episodes. Uh, we, the second one of this cycle mm -hmm. is airing on Sunday. And uh, I think if you haven't already checked out our first episode of the new cycle about labor rights and video games, I highly recommend it. Ooh, I love, I love. How are you outside of work? You look very summery today. Thank you. I am good, although this has been a particularly grueling work period. Yeah, so you're I've busy. Just doing a lot of a lot of writing, a lot of research, a lot of scrambling, a lot of late nights and early mornings. So um, I don't have a whole lot that's interesting in my life going on. I mean, uh, your job's very interesting. What you're working on is very interesting. I was telling you before we started recording, I have this thing where I forget how much stuff I have volunteered to do. Yes, like you said yes to everything and suddenly it comes, <laughs> you forget what you said yes to. I was to like, now, surely oh yeah. all these people won't say, thank you for volunteering. We'd like you to do the thing you volunteered for. But then they all did. And I was like, oh my God. Oh yeah. So very busy doing cool stuff though at UCB. Um, I think we should just jump into the show because I have so many recommendations. I, I I also have some things I can probably recommend, so let's jump on right in. Okay. And then maybe if we have time, we'll get to Patreon questions. Just as a reminder, everyone, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. If you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher over there, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. You can also send recommendations. We've been getting a lot of those as well. Mm -hmm. Love it. So the main thing I wanted to talk about that I just saw is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which have you I seen? still have not seen, but I, okay. I get a lot of, I've been getting a lot of recommendations for it, so I will get to it. Okay. So, by the way, if you hear chaos in the background, uh, my roommate Chloe's kitten, Joni, his new favorite game is to attack Desmond. Mm. <laughs> so they're sparring buddies, and I might have to separate them very soon. But until that moment arrives, let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'll try to keep it general enough. Do you yeah. know the gist of I what I know the sound? gist. I've, I've actually listened to a few podcasts about it. Okay, I'm great. not too worried about spoilers because I don't feel like it's that kind of movie. It's not. And also, if you are concerned with spoilers, maybe just jump ahead to the music cue because uh, I will discuss some spoilers, although I'll try to keep it as general as possible. Yeah. So I'll just start by saying I loved it. I know it's a very <laughs> divisive movie. Uh, I know some people whose opinions I really respect who did not like it. And there are a lot of problematic elements. Obviously, it's a Quentin Tarantino film, uh, treatment of women. Mm -hmm. um, sort of the, the treatment of, it very much reminded me of Inglorious Bastards in terms of revisionist history. But unlike Inglorious Bastards, there wasn't that catharsis of you're killing Nazis. You're yeah. killing like 16 year old brainwashed girls right. who joined a cult because an older man manipulated them. Yeah. I mean, one that doesn't actually get to the heart of how Manson was a white supremacist mm -hmm. monster who wanted to rule over black people. Yes. And none of the race stuff like, is examined, yeah. but, but it also looks into the, like treats him as a punchline and, then flattens everything out with sort of like yes. You what obviously I love I know a lot about, about it <laughs> is the fact that Sharon Tate is usually treated as a footnote in Charles Manson's yeah. story, and this time he is a footnote in her story. I wish there was more Sharon Tate stuff, but I will say Margot Robbie's amazing. Um, there's a really beautiful scene of Sharon Tate watching herself, and it's the real Sharon Tate. Um, 
in one of her films and it's really really touching and beautiful it's a really tender film yeah like he's very tender in his treatment towards her and also um the male relationship between leonardo dicaprio and brad brad pitt's character shocking that when tarantino reaches middle age he suddenly gets (laughs) nice and uh sepia toned when he wants to talk like all you have to do is wait 50 years for a man to hit his uh peak maturity level Mm -hmm. and then he will make uh, a nuanced film <laughs> yeah with a lot of sexy feet so many sexy feet here's the thing though um of all of the fetishes yeah i think foot fetishes are almost sweet i actually don't think that it's worth making fun of no. because there's anything wrong with it or there's anything that's particularly silly even uh he really just indulges that, like, in he it. just has made it such a fundamental part <laughs> of his filmmaking career At that it's point, impossible not to sort of make a joke about how he like yeah. hired almost certainly hired people to be the manson girls in order to make sure they had hot feet yeah at this point it feels more of like a wink to the audience like mm-hmm. he knows that we know so now he's really leaning into it uh another problematic part uh you know obviously bruce lee's depiction although i saw some people who were like the voice offended them and i was like i think that was a pretty dead-on impersonation of bruce lee yeah it's not as if it isn't hard it's not as if it's hard to find evidence of what he was like when he was yeah, performing and i he mean you know. also we know that he was uh very cocky because yeah. he was a great fighter and he had the right to be cocky mm-hmm. he was very talented yeah. The thing that bothered me in that scene is, without a doubt, Bruce Lee 100% would have wiped the floor with yeah. Brad Pitt's character. And But as somebody pointed out in a podcast I was listening to, that is almost definitely Brad Pitt's character's memory. Yeah. So the way it is edited, it's like him sort of editing history where he's like, yeah, and then I kicked Bruce Lee's ass. And it was like, did you, bro? Did you? Probably not. Yeah. Another scene that like really upset people, and I understand why, is there is this sort of throwaway storyline about how Brad Pitt's character killed his wife. Right. Allegedly. I've heard about this. So the reason I like the way it's treated is how many times, and I'm sure like any woman listening to this, uh, how many times have you heard something about a guy mm-hmm. and you don't know if it's true or not? Yeah. And you'll never know if it's true or not because you weren't there. Right. And it's sort of like, I I would hope if you listen to this show, if there's a a woman accusing him, you believe the woman. Uh, But you weren't there, right? Right. So the way this is treated is we see a scene with Brad Pitt's uh, on a boat with his Mm -hmm. wife. And she is shades of Robert Wagner and Natalie Wood. uh And she is nagging him as women do. You know, we're awful. And she's just nagging him and nagging, nagging him. And he's holding a harpoon, Mm -hmm. a harpoon gun. And at one point it's like pointed at her and then they cut away. Okay. So a lot of people were upset because they were like, they never returned to that for the most part. We never know if he actually kills his wife or not. But for me, I was sort of like, God, that. I've been in that situation so many times. Yeah. You know, men are always shooting harpoon guns at me. Um, Like, someone has accused someone I know of something, and it's just sort of like, but I'm not there. Yeah. You know? Uh, Especially in the comedy community. Oh, my God. At least once a week I hear something about someone, and I'm like, God, you know? And you, you... It's sort of a case-by-case basis. I would hope you would believe the accuser, but... I didn't mind the way that was shot because mm-hmm. it was like, right, no one was on that boat with him. So in terms of what they're all imagining, that would be the scope of it, you know? Um, but anyway, so I really, other than that, enjoyed the film. I I liked the revisionist history of, of the Manson clan well, and you know, Sharon Tate. And I'd like to just throw in that there is another movie that, is out that does revisionist history, Sharon mm-hmm. Tate, that is, let's say, not Oscar bait because it stars Hilary yeah. Duff as <laughs> Sharon Tate. Definitely not Oscar bait. Uh, it's on Netflix. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, sh- so Sharon Tate uh, fights her way through the night with the Manson family and survives. What's like, it so called? I don't even remember the oh name of it God. now, but I'll find, I'll, okay. I'll look it up while we're talking. But uh, yeah, the, the way that my brain's been functioning lately, I am so much more likely to end up going home later and watching that than finding a way to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Not because I don't want to see it, but because my brain has 
been liquefied. Yeah, I get that. I will say a lot of people have been complaining that it's too long. I did not feel it was too long. I think it's one of his best directed films. I would put it up there with Jackie Brown, which is a great film. Uh, actually, there were a lot of parallels with Jackie Brown. There's yeah. even a point where he has the same wall that she walks past in the airport in the mm-hmm. beginning. LAX. Yeah. Uh, that sort of multicolored retro wall is also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, there are just brilliant scenes. There's a scene where Leonardo DiCaprio's character is having an actor meltdown on set. And instead of having the camera on him, he has the camera on Timothy Oliphant the Ooh. entire time, who's another, he's playing an actor in the scene with Leonardo DiCaprio. And it was such an interesting choice to watch someone react to someone else melting down. I mean, I like the way that it would, I, I like hearing about these characters mm-hmm. specifically because I think undermining the star, like undermining star power is always interesting yes. to me. And forcing Leonardo DiCaprio to be kind of pathetic that is guy. interesting to me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because I really don't like him as a prestige actor at no, all. No, I, I don't like him. Yeah. I don't like Brad Pitt, but I will say, But man. I've met Brad Pitt, and that man is more beautiful than I can ever, Oh, honey, ever then you got to see this film because there is a scene entirely devoted to him taking off his shirt on a roof. Yeah, I take It got that. an applause break in the showing I saw. I was like, right that on. That tracks. I get yeah. it. That man is 50. Wow. Uh, oh, he's like over fifty. Yeah, he, I think like he's, he's nearing like sixty. His, he's definitely fifty-five for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah. So, what I love about this movie is I was really afraid there would this be this sort of because you know, like Quentin Tarantino's old now, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's getting up there. There would be this sort of rose-colored nostalgia, and mm. they get why it's funny. And Leonardo DiCaprio gets why his character's funny. Mm-hmm. Every time he cries, I was laughing so hard. Because it's the self-pitying, mm-hmm. woe is me, which is the joke of the film. Yeah. Like, they understand that this is not a man we should feel sympathy for. This is a film that understands that Brad Pitt's not a good guy. His character, you yeah. know? Or maybe Brad Pitt. I don't know. Um, but, like, at the end when he... I, I never got the sense that we were supposed to think these guys are heroes. Right. You know? Um but anyway, so I, I big recommendation for me. I really, really liked it, especially if you like Quint- Quentin Tarantino yeah. films. It's like, you know, quintessential yeah. Quentin. Especially if you were sort of underwhelmed. I actually, the last one of his I saw was Inglorious Bastards. I had no mm-hmm. interest in Django. I had no interest in Hateful Eight. So Hateful Eight was this bad. is like <laughs> yeah. fine. Uh, also, the movie's called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Ooh. Um, it looks awful, mm-hmm. but. I would say this is new. Like it came out. Yeah, recently? it came out like this year. Okay, um, never even heard of it. But you know, if you're really feeling like you want to do a sort of nostalgia for the early aughts, you could make it a double feature with Lindsay Lohan and Liz and Dick. Oh sure. And oh then my God. like really make it happen. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm just like Who if you're gonna that make was it bad. A good idea. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, apparently now Lindsay is uh, potentially being wooed by MBS. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is. Like, I'm so sorry, people. Again, we're not talking about recommendations unless the dark cesspool of my gossip brain is a recommendation. Uh, but yes, apparently he's wooing her and has given. He gave her a gift wrapped credit card, and he w- she wants to make a movie about Saudi women, and they've <laughs> been spending time together. And someone from her entourage told Paid Six for their exclusive. Uh, the how do they put it? There was like the Middle Eastern princes go crazy for her. Uh, and at one point in this piece, which was written like art, mm-hmm. they say the Herbie fully loaded starlet and the vicious authoritarian have been spending a lot more time together <laughs> recently. Vicious authoritarian. Yeah, they also call him a bloodthirsty dictator. Okay. So they like right they're pretty they're pretty nasty. It was yeah. very New York Post, but like these are the things that sure have been occupying me. Uh, yeah. So. so. Yeah, I was trying to think of what else I wanted to... I was not emotionally prepared to see Luke Perry in Once Upon a Time mm, in Hollywood. I yeah. forgot that he was in it, and so. I was just like, oh, but no. But also, what a wonderful final film appearance for Absolutely. him. I mean, to know that he was, like, in like sort of in this stage in his career where he was doing stuff on Riverdale, mm-hmm. he could get this gig, he could work at this, like, even in a small part with people who are, like, ab- like global superstars. It was probably really like, exciting for him because yeah. he had to 
fight his whole career to be taken seriously as and an actor. And so I'm sure you know, he was very excited to do yeah. that. Well, and, yeah. and I mean, to be appreciated because he was like given something significant, like, you know, substantive to do. So there's, it's ki- it is nice that it's bittersweet. I feel mm-hmm. like so often when people who are really beloved pass away unexpectedly, their last film is kind of not great. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so uh, knowing that you can appreciate the movie and then also say like, oh, and it turns out that like, look at the cool shit this guy was doing yes. right before this happened. It was like, also really cool because the film is all about... I don't know, like, the strong affection Quentin Tarantino has for television actors. Yeah. Like, the fact that he had Timothy Oliphant and Luke Perry in a scene with Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, shows that he takes television acting seriously. Yeah. Um, But also the movie's about how film actors oftentimes feel like if they go and do television, they're cheapening their career. Right. It's less serious. Of course, now we have like prestige television. That's not the case so much anymore. Well, I mean, it gets to be comedy because 50 years later we find that uh, everybody's jumping back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Not like you have like Nicole Kim and Meryl Streep doing TV and it's like, oh, I guess anybody can do this now. But um, it's not TV. It's HBO. (laughs) That's right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) HBO, don't sue me. I didn't mean to put you uh, in the same lane as ABC. Um, So also in recommendations. Oh, can I jump one? Can I jump in? Uh, I want to recommend two pieces of reading material. Yes. One of them is the New York Times Magazine long-form interview with Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. So I heard about this, and I haven't read it yet. Oh, yeah. At one point, he says, how much does an octopus carcass, like, a dead octopus cost? $80? (laughs) Uh, And he's like, yeah, but buying that T-Rex, like, buying the dinosaur was a mistake. Uh, He also talks about going on a, he's like, you could call it a, like, a grail quest, and then he describes going on a literal grail quest. Oh, my God. Um, and apparently he's like talking about talking to Francis Ford Coppola and he was like, and I called him up and I said, uncle, I just don't know what you're thinking here. And I was like, oh my God. Did he have to say uncle? uncle? Did like, he have to remind us that that is? No, I mean, he doesn't even, he just calls him uncle. He doesn't call him, uh, you know, he doesn't like, I called my uncle, blah, blah, blah. He's like this weird respect. It is utterly bonkers. They talk about his sort of neo-shamanic like yeah. uh, stuff, talking about Ghost Rider, talking about all of these different, like it is I saw unhinged. the ex- where he was talking about going to therapy yeah and how he was sort of like you know dissing therapy and he said something i'm paraphrasing but he was like i usually figure out i'm more interesting than the person i'm talking to i'm like wait a second why am i here talking to you and then i get up and i walk out and i was like what yeah what i mean to be fair though Based on reading that interview, he is more he is more interesting than probably anyone else. I mean, sure. and, and the person like I mean, there were two really great interviews that were done that Nick Cage did uh, this week. Mm-hmm. One of them was with Charles Romesco mm-hmm. uh, for the Guardian, and uh, they were or no no for Vulture, and they were talking about his performance in this straight to VHS movie from the late eighties that mm-hmm. he made around Vampire's Kiss, where he wears a weird prosthetic nose and has a totally deranged like ninety second performance. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I heard yeah, yeah. about that. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, and then the Dave Marchese like New York Times Magazine piece. So I definitely recommend that. I also recommend in New York Magazine an update piece to the bonkers story about the women in Cambridge, Massachusetts, who have been scamming dudes, like one of them picks, oh my God, the, the there was a giant long read called The Most Gullible Man in, uh, oh, in Cambridge. Uh, Meredith, I read yes. that. Oh yeah, there's an update to it where she oh. found, after the writer published it, she got contacted by six more men oh, who all had experiences God. with her. I cannot, what was that in again? The New original? York Magazine. It was New York Magazine. They're both New York Mag. Uh, so... I can't recommend highly enough the original article because I actually did read that yeah. one, so I can recommend that. It is such a wild ride. Yeah. Wild ride about how this guy got scammed out of everything. Yeah. I mean, he he almost loses his family. He's convinced that he, you know, he ends up getting, he's now indefinitely suspended from his teaching position at Harvard. He's racked up $300,000 in medical oh bills. He was briefly homeless because this woman and her friend who she works these scams with mm-hmm. uh pulled squatters rights on yeah. his house they got like the 
they had the him labyrinth of the way this scam worked, like how they got all of the r- the deeds and everything like signed over to them. Yeah, is it's insane. It's truly, uh, and it's it's one of these things where uh, the woman who wrote it was actually a copy editor at New York Magazine when I was a freelance fact checker there ten years ago. Ooh. So truly a wonderful human being, uh, and who also said when she was starting to promote it. You know, when she first heard about this story, she was very, and contacted about it, she was very skeptical because Mm. she was not going to believe a dude who was saying he was being targeted by these, you know, crazy women. Right. Uh, But that over the course of a year's worth of reporting, she was like, this is the most absurd thing. It's bonkers. Um, Also, I don't feel sorry for him. Oh, no, I don't either. The story is wild, but I almost more like... God, it's just interesting. Yeah. We're like well, also, I mean, the idea that he's like, well, I thought it was fine for me to have this romantic entanglement with this woman because I just assumed since my wife and I weren't sleeping together, even though we were living together, that it was cool. Like we had a tacit don't ask, don't tell policy. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Did you ever have that conversation? I with was your like, wife? you can't there's literally no such thing as a tacit don't ask, don't tell no? because you have to explicitly agree yep. to a don't ask, don't tell agreement. That's a whole you know, series of conversations you, you have to have. You have to ask and tell. <laughs> Before you get don't, don't ask, ask, don't, don't tell. tell. Yeah. Um, but you men know, don't but, understand that. No. They're like, no, she gets it. Uh, she basically said I could do yeah. it but with the, her eyes. Yeah. The update is great because it does provide a really useful, uh, you know, counterpoint to this man's utter gullibility and and sort of absurdity mm-hmm. because these other people who were like where she hit on them or she tried to talk to them. Uh, they all of them were much more skeptical like and and they all take very different forms right um yeah i do i highly recommend that i gotta read the updates must read the update it is it was a a a beautiful like warm bath of of madness yeah uh that i loved uh chloe you looking for joni in my room we're recording uh, hi, Chloe. Uh, guys, speaking of Chloe briefly not being able to find Joni, here's your bad news. So obviously in the bad news section, I want to talk a lot about mass shootings and gun control and Walmart. Bad news all around. Listen, I said it was the bad news section and I was not kidding. This is yeah, very, this very is bad. unbelievably <laughs> bad. Last week, bad. this entire week like, was shit. Absolute, Absolute fucking garbage. awful. Fuck this week. It's like. Do I went to bed on Saturday? It was yeah. I wake up on Saturday. I see there's a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. I go to a party. I get kind of wasted. Sure. And then I wake up on Sunday and I'm like, I'm sorry. There's another, another one? mass shooting. And then there was that scare in Times Square. Yeah. Where um, a and motorcycle. In Missouri, where yep. a man walked in. Uh, We're gonna you know. get to all that in yeah. a second. Uh, oh, and Tony Morrison and uh, David Berman from the Silver Jews both died. So you know, yeah. we just had a just fuck week. this week. Fuck this week. So let's start with El Paso because yeah. because it's it's, it's an absolutely monstrous demonstration of white supremacy and yeah. our descent into fascism. Like. Yeah. yeah. So the shooter who fuck these guys, we're not even going to say their names, walked into a Walmart, killed 22 people, and re- it was revealed that the reason they did so was that they were um, targeting Mexicans. Yeah. And when we say it was revealed, it was that this person admitted that they right. wanted to target Mexicans, and also in both the manifesto that they posted online and in interviews with law enforcement, have said that they wanted to target uh, quote-unquote Mexicans uh, because they were concerned about them outbreeding and replacing us. Now, why would they have that fear, Meredith? It's not like there's been a certain political figure in our country who has a lot of power. Who's who's spoken repeatedly about how the American way of life is under attack because rapists and murderers Mm -hmm. are coming up through our southern borders. Yep, rapists and murderers are Mexican, according to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's been a hoot watching Trump in the wake of this sort of trying to distance himself (laughs) from it. 
Um, and making these sort of milk toast weak statements. Well, you know, Antifa is also bad. Yeah. Can never just, for obvious reasons, um, you know, uh, say that white supremacy is a bad thing. Also has to be like, yes, white supremacy is bad, but also Antifa, who have not killed anyone. No, <laughs> haven't come anywhere close. Uh, are equally bad, which is, you know, a dog whistle thing in itself right. to do something like that. You know, and, and also, fuck you, Ivanka Trump, for tweeting Ugh. out about gun violence and then making it about Chicago at a time when it's not even relatively that bad based on everything. I mean, like... Well, that felt like, deliberate, too, because of the Baltimore thing, where right. it was like, right, that's another dog whistle thing where you're like, well, yeah, because the black people are killing each other. Right. Yeah, um, everybody wants to talk about black on black crime. Right. I, uh... The the part that really kill like sort of frustrates me to the point of like genuine tears yeah. when it comes to the El Paso stuff is first of all we've managed to find a way to talk about a an act of of terror of racially motivated terrorism mm -hmm. uh, without admitting or acknowledging that this is happening. Yeah. We just treat it like it's every other mass shooting, right. which is problematic in itself. But this is a person who has, who decided he was trying to target yeah. Mexican and terrorism. Latinx people. It's white and nationalism it's like, it's terrorism. It's white nationalist terrorism. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've done an amazing job in one week of erasing that and erasing the people of color who were killed well, yeah. from this conversation. And I mean, nothing more than when he and fucking Melania show up at the hospital and they forced whoever was the relative God. of that poor baby, baby I know. to bring both them it, back. Both its parents were killed during, uh, is it a boy or a girl? I don't it's know. A, I think it's a little boy. But so yeah. yes, the mother, uh, she died she protecting died, him like, with her body. Yes. She shielded uh, him and then she was but shot to death and she fell on him yeah. and he broke some bones. Yeah, but was otherwise fine. And then and they found out later that his father was killed Had also too. been so killed. So this poor baby has and lost both his, his parents. Yeah. Before it's even sentient because he's two months old. So then fucking Trump and Melania pose with this baby and Trump is grinning like a fucking idiot and, and giving, giving a the thumbs, thumbs up. up. What the fuck are you thumbs upping, you piece of shit? <laughs> He's such yeah. a piece of shit. I mean, and Melania looked like she was about to hand it off to a nanny and or <laughs> white family they think that deserves it more than the Melania one it always comes looks from. like um like in her eyes it always looks like is this over yet? Can I leave? <laughs> she yeah. always looks like she's 2 minutes away from Sorry, a full Sorry, bitch, you signed up for that. Sorry. Um so yeah, I wanted to talk about um, obviously El Paso. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. the there's Trump with yeah. the baby. Um, yeah, let's talk about this fucking asshole that walked into a Walmart in Missouri, and then Walmart's response to all of this. So, in case you missed it, another fucking white idiot walked into a Walmart, heavily armed, um, and wearing like gear and basically was uh filming people freaking out because mm -hmm. he's yeah. a piece of shit and was obviously arrested by police without incident because right. he's white <laughs> can you imagine if he was a person of color and did this shit uh so obviously uh, enormous uh white privilege in action but Walmart decided because they're getting a lot of bad press because of yeah. what happened in El Paso uh this incident they were like, okay. There's oh, I think there's another one, too, where a guy walked in, a different guy walked into a Walmart and was like, uh, how, like, do you sell guns that will kill 200 people or something like that? Cool. And that was like an, a man in his early 60s, I believe. And they were like, <sighs> he's not a threat. And I was like, I'm pretty really? sure that if you walk in and ask that question, or then it's like the employee says, like, that's not funny. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Uh, and I was like, that's... That's fucked uh, up. Yeah. Uh, but so, so they've been getting a lot of bad press. So they, I feel like they felt like they were getting like cornered and mm -hmm. they had to do something. So you're probably thinking, did they ban um, the selling of guns in Walmarts? Did they um, say that they would not allow people to open carry anymore? I'm just going to venture a guess. Mm -hmm. Is the answer no? It's no, but great news. They banned violent video games. Yeah, because the video games are the problem. 
Which is, again, I mean, Trump said this where he's like, you know, we have a problem with violent video games. It's always like violent music, uh, atheism, violent video games. That's always the first thing where they're like, this is really chipping away at American values. It's the media that the kids are seeing. And I was like, you think maybe it's the news? I mean, what we never talk about is overwhelmingly it's young white men who well, do yes. this shit i mean that is absolutely true it is young white men who are now being radicalized using the exact same tools that were em- employed by uh you know radicalist uh terrorists mm. in the early 2000s uh yeah like it is this it is the same tools it is the same function and ultimately like both uh, counterterrorism people, sociologists and psychologists have all said that deprogramming people who have been radicalized online into white supremacist violence mm-hmm. are as difficult to deprogram as someone who's a quote unquote like ISIS supporter. Yeah. And actually even more so because the like ability to actually integrate them back into their communities is so much harder because America is so bad at creating supportive relationships for people who have uh, these antisocial tendencies or who have become bad. And so they're, because their family ties are so terrible, there's actually no place to send them. Right. I, d- I do want to talk more about that because obviously I want to get into the 8chan stuff. Yeah. I put it in the good news section because I was like, fuck these guys. But sure. at the same time, I don't think that will solve anything. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, there's, I, you can't I think mass de-radicalize no. anyone. It's an individual process. So it, it's just something we don't talk. It's another yeah. thing we don't talk about in the larger issue of allowing so many young white men yeah. to believe that it is okay to use violence. How do they deprogram them? Is it like one-on-one sort of intervention with somebody that they previously hated? No, it's like kind of cult deprogramming in some yeah. ways where you... Uh, you have to reestablish relationships, do uh, like you know intensive psychotherapy. Um, I don't. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be uh, best practice, like best medical practices, to do any sort of exposure therapy because you'd be like hurting the people that are forced to interact with these assholes. Right, because you don't want to, like, require the people who are the victims to also be the ones who have to deprogram these assholes. But when it comes to actually getting... There are, like, support groups. It often comes into sort of groups of people who, you know, bringing people once they've gotten to a point where you can come talk to them and say, like, actually, this is an inappropriate way to respond to fear or loneliness or anxiety, um, you know, but to, to create communities with ex other ex members yeah. is part of it. Um, oh, but sure, yeah. the, um, and I've seen that when it comes to people who are in, I mean, it's the American history X thing. Mm-hmm. Like where you see these people who come, it doesn't always go so dramatically, but, um, but it's intre- incredibly individual. The amount of right. effort that it takes to bring someone back once they've gone down that rabbit hole is exponentially harder than it is to send someone down it in the first place. Like, Mm -hmm. you can radicalize someone with a shitty YouTube algorithm, but to actually deprogram them Mm. takes would take months and an intense amount of of effort. And, like, what what I'm afraid of is you can never... We'll never win that fight. No. And I also don't think the answer is, like, obviously censoring the internet. No, but I I do think that actually acknowledging how difficult it is to combat this problem and uh, dismantling male privilege and the... And also, like, male privilege entitlement and the sense that, like, to be a man is essentially to be a man with PTSD. Mm. Like, to have reactions that are always on verge of violence, (laughs) always buttoned up. healthily processing your emotions in any kind of way. (laughs) Consistently dwelling on uh, negative past interactions that allow you to sort of recreate bad negative patterns. Also, Um, every rejection is deeply personal. Right. Um, It is a indication that you have failed as a man. Right. All of that shit. And and so, like, it has to be more than this. But at the time, as as this... As, as the danger is rising because of racism and fascism mm-hmm. coming, um, 
even if we don't know what the answer is or how we're supposed to do this at a better level, yeah. or a sort of larger level, I do think it's important to actually talk about the processes that are required to bring people yes. back. And, and to I not agree. just look at it because I think that this is, uh, I mean, I can see we've got a, a thing about the piece of shit from Dayton. So yeah. like we've got that happening. Um, but there are like, we need to be start like starting to distinguish between making excuses for people who commit these sorts of violent mm -hmm. acts uh, as the ex-girlfriends of the Dayton piece of shit we're doing. Yes. Uh, and here's the thing. Not, and like having basic human empathy if for an individual who's like a piece of shit, yeah. but who doesn't, I mean, doesn't, who could potentially like at least not be as awful as right. they were. Here's the thing. If you are on a date with someone and they show you a video about the synagogue mass shooting. I don't care how drunk I am. I would definitely <laughs> throw something on him, hopefully into his eyes, and then run away. So you wouldn't go on a second date with him is what uh, you're saying? No. Okay, so the Dayton shooter did go out with a woman and showed her this video, and she went out with him again. Yeah. They what? dated. Yeah. They dated. And I, you know, and I have to say this uh, because I, or I, I don't have to, but I was like, this is some real Dayton, Ohio shit. Like, well, it's also like white women. She was a white. She looked like a white MySpace girl who was in a polyamorous marriage. Okay, uh, with a, a nose piercing through the center uh, yeah. and some pink hair. And I mean, like, granted, that's a look that I support in sure. most cases. But don't do a medium post. No. About how he was nothing but a complete gentleman to you. No, don't do that. Right after he's murdered a bunch of people. And the reason I want to talk about this is, so we shit on uh, cis white men a lot on this show because... They deserve it. They deserve it. But as two white ladies, we should probably also talk about the fact that white women run interference for male white nationalists all the time. Oh, yeah. And are white nationalists too. And... and this woman who went on multiple dates with the Dayton shooter um, is a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and is and part of the fucking problem. And she's hiding behind her identity, like her, yes. her, her identity as someone who's a supposed leftist, a polyamorous person, and as someone with mental health in, and, uh, you know, neuroatypical neuroatypical yeah. shit. Uh to say that, like, it was, of course she couldn't take what he was saying seriously because, like, I understand how when uh, you talk, he talked about wanting to hurt people, I thought that, I knew that it was because he wanted to hurt himself. Oh, and get off it. Uh, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm depressed too. I have had to check myself into Who a hospital isn't? before. I know the difference between I want to kill a bunch of people and I'm feeling really bad. Meredith, are you saying that depression doesn't make you hate Jewish people? Oh, that uh, that being that mental illness is not actually at all a useful or productive indicator of potential for violence, what? and perhaps by conflating mental illness and gun violence, we are creating a dangerous system that will ultimately end up victimizing vulnerable individuals Meredith, even more. It sounds like you're saying that people with mental illness are far more likely to be the victims of violence than perpetrate violence themselves. Funny enough, <laughs> I have read that that is true. What? Yes, it turns out. Are you out saying that every study supports that? Yes, that uh, that the men, like the people with mental illness. Uh, like from the most mundane to the most severe mm -hmm. across the board are uh, much more likely to be victims <laughs> of violence. It's funny because it's also like how it turns out that undocumented immigrants are far less likely to commit any sort of crime what? of any kind what? in the United States than literally any other population. Um, and yet, I heard they're all murderers and rapists. Yeah, so. see, I mean, it's really, it's tough that there's just like, you know, both sides have a lot to say, but, but I've definitely seen. I have a question. You know, so then yeah. why is Andrew Cuomo saying that we should have a database of all the mentally ill people 
So we know where they are. Right. What they're up to. Because clearly they're the biggest threat. Well, and, and obviously, like, diagnosing um, a mental health problem that has the potential to lead to violence is as easy to do as running a blood test for the presence of antibodies for, say, gonorrhea. <laughs> sure, sure. Look, I'm just saying, it's like, you can do an x-ray, you can figure out if somebody's arm is broken. Most of the time. Right. You do the, you do your, you pee in a cup, and somebody's like, you've got syphilis. Like, yeah. actually, I don't think you pee in a cup for that. <laughs> but like, you know We're what I mean. We're not medical experts, okay? Uh, I think you pee for gonorrhea, and then they do the little creepy swab for it's fine. Um, they have tests where they, they can definitely like, find out if you have an STI. Yeah. Well, there is mental there are, health. Like, lots of things are yes or no. There is a centuries of documented evidence yes. about like how you determine if something is happening in a science that is it, like when it comes to a medical field that's so subjective. And mm. I hate to use that word, but I mean, mental health is incredibly complicated. Yeah. Depression mm. is incredibly complicated. Uh, the fact that we, like, I mean, like, that there are different, that you can have situational depression mm -hmm. or something that's essentially hardwired into your brain that does create uh, chaos at, yeah. you know, unpredictable intervals. But even, you like, have, there, you there are cases of profoundly schizophrenic people who something happens with the chemistry of their brain and one day they learn how to navigate the hallucinations they're having, the voices they're having, mm. and they live productive lives with paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. So it's like even the mental illnesses that we have deemed like the most chaotic, the most destructive. The ones most likely to end up on law and order. Exactly. Like, and know. and like that we associate with people who go on to like maybe do violent things. Mm -hmm. Not even in those cases can we say that there's a 100% certitude that someone yeah. will go on to do something bad so it's I mean, the, it's yeah. so dangerous to say that we should have a database for people well, the, that like, we should register how them. do you and how do you decide what the criteria for this database is is it everyone right. that's ever been that's ever had a diagnosis of depression if so how do you get off the list when you're like feeling better mm -hmm. do you have to stay on the list if you're taking your medication right as your uh is your uh medical provider obligated to you know tell someone if you are no longer on medication mm -hmm. for depression are you uh you know the problem is not the diagnosis of depression etc whatever it's alienation it's it alienation isolation yeah. which only makes it worse by the way if you're if you start to put people in a registry then yeah. then like that just it's sort of like what they're doing with immigration that just drives people underground right and it makes it more dangerous for th that community because if they do need help, they're not going to mm -hmm. go to any kind of authority or institution for but help. But also, we're not really talking about mental health when right. we're talking about the people who are doing violence here. It is possible to, like, you can get a diagnosis of depression or something wherever you want. It's like the, in the same way that you can get an, a dog listed as an emotional support animal. And I mean, God bless, I have considered it uh i'm amazed you haven't like, actually yeah. so in the same way that you can do that you can find someone who can say there is like an issue here i mean that's why everybody loves to talk about how adhd medication is overprescribed because there is this belief that mm. you know and and it was true that at certain times these diagnoses became very common and and so that meant there were certain overdiagnoses like for a while yeah. yes but if we're gonna do this now when it comes to violence it's incredibly dangerous because yes. It allows us to pretend like we as a society are not creating mm. these people and these violent incidents when we are. Mm. We are absolutely allowing it to happen. And whether or not these people are depressed, like, you know, I get depressed when I don't talk to people very much yeah. uh, after like a week. But I don't go out and kill people mm -hmm. like this is an issue. Like, it's weird that it's men, right? It's always fucking men. Yeah. And and what's frustrating is it's a distraction because there is not a one. There's no. It's not even close to a one to one correlation of mm -hmm. mass shootings and mental illness. It is almost a one to one correlation of mass shootings and white cis men. Yeah. So why are we not talking about that? Why are we not talking about that? It is always, for the most part, men with guns. We're, we're suddenly talking about mental illness, and it's like, no, no, the issue here is that it's incredibly easy to get guns in this country, and for some reason, a lot of white men have 
a big enough chip on their shoulder where they're willing to go out and kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Well, and they decided that instead of actually dealing with whatever issue they're feeling yeah. at the moment, they don't have the tools. Their, yeah, their response is to, you know, to push it outward and to hurt yeah. people. Now, I like I uh, listen. I don't want to say like it's. It's always men who do this. Women never do this because obviously there are cases of women who who do shoot people. I don't know. I mean, but like when it comes to mass shooting, I'm pretty sure the last one was the wife in San Bernardino. And I don't even really count that one because she was the wife of the guy. So, mm. Uh, but, you know, uh, just to cover my base, my my bases, I'm not going to say women never do this, but women have other tools at our disposal mm. where like if we feel very very bad we know it's okay to cry for the most yeah. part for the well, most part i mean let's we can actually use um the stats that we have on methods of suicide attempts uh between mm. men and women yeah uh i think are really il- illustrative of men why shoot it's themselves. Like men shoot themselves and women often take pills yeah. or uh you know do so like do something that's a little bit easy that's easier to reverse women cut too yes we will like hurt ourselves before we hurt anybody else yes but the uh but men are overwhelmingly like they use methods whether it's cars mm. uh guns uh like hanging like methods that are a lot more likely to be irrevocable mm-hmm. and and irreversible so that is like you are turning you know we have taught men that they are when they make a decision they are supposed to just commit to it yeah. and when you add guns to that, like, oh God. yes, obviously the most common uh, victims of guns are people who use them to take their own lives. Yeah. But, and also and so, in domestic yeah. violence situations, yeah. like if they don't kill or like, sorry, if they don't die by suicide, they sometimes will will kill their significant other. Yeah. Or they, you know, but it, it goes like people who take their own lives mm-hmm. and then it's like maybe murder, suicide, you know and domestic violence and then this like we're going further and further but the the one actual like the the place where it all overlaps entirely is men and guns men and guns men and guns men and guns that's the problem not people with mental illness on that note guys that was a lot of bad here's your good news All right, let's talk about Equinox and SoulCycle, okay? And the reason I'm putting this in the good news section is for many, many years, I have hated SoulCycle. Oh, yeah. And now it's like I finally have the moral high ground (laughs) where I'm like, see, I was right. The whole time I was right. Um, I can't believe that you didn't have the moral (laughs) high ground when you were like, I don't really want to buy your branded socks and shoes. I don't want to. Here's the thing. I'm not allowed into Equinox's because I'm not rich. So that was like um, an inhibitor from day one. But then also SoulCyclist is incredibly obnoxious, appropriating quasi dangerous workout where yeah. like a lot of fitness instructors are they actually advise their clients not to do soul cycle because oh, they I didn't know that they like i guess when soul cycle began it wasn't as dangerous because it was just people riding stationary bikes, bikes and yeah to music and like the instructors are very intense which is what soul cycle is known for and they play like good music for you yeah. to work out to but then they started incorporating like push-ups into. Oh yeah, you're doing these. You're yeah. doing all these other things when you're on the bike that are sort of these modified exercise moves or and something. And that a lot of personal trainers are like, that's actually really dangerous, and you should never be doing that on a stationary bike. So the fact that they're telling you to do this is actually endangering yeah. you. Also, they make it competitive, which is super fucked up. Well, see, I used to do CrossFit, so I can't talk shit about that. Where it's like, I do have that part of my brain where I'm like well everything's a competition yeah sorry no that's not how I work out (laughs) I don't do it anymore but for a while I was very much in a cult so uh, the reason I'm putting this in the good news section is um you know obviously it came to light that the uh owner of SoulCycle Stephen Ross uh is a Trump supporter and a Trump supporter who's like I've like known him for a long time, and uh, you know I 
I like, you know, basically saying I like the tax cuts. I don't agree with the racism. <laughs> yeah. And SoulCycle has always advertised itself as being like LGBTQ friendly. Uh, and they've really tried to at attract like a urban young celebrity crowd. So this is obviously not a good look for them. Yep. SoulCycle really tried to distance itself from Equinox. And not very well because... They tried to say that Stephen Ross is a passive, he was only a passive investor. And it's like, I'm sorry, you, he's not a passive investor. He owns, um, <laughs> his company owns a fucking like majority interest yeah. in all of your shit. Wait, okay, I wasn't going to talk about this. Did you see Army Hammer, what he said about this? I did, yeah. Okay, so do you have his tweet? Could you pull it up? I can pull it up, Okay, yeah. so I'm going to paraphrase until you actually find the exact uh, tweet. Army Hammer, who is a national treasure. Yeah tweets hey it's great that everybody is like shitting on Stephen ross and soul cycle but can we talk about the marvel is it he oh he was like yeah the the person he's like the head of the the person in charge of the mcu is also a massive trump supporter and then he named him (laughs) which is so funny because for army hammer is not in any marvel movies no but they were considering him oh yeah they were also considering him for batman as well but i think now that he knows that ship has sailed he was sort of like i'm naming names fuck this (laughs) I mean, also, as a friend <laughs> of mine pointed out on Twitter, uh, that uh, the Hammer family became billionaires because the the ancient patriarch, however many oh like centuries ago, was basically ordered to by Lenin. So, <laughs> you know. But yes, the tweet is, hey, while everyone seems to be on this Equinox thing, it might be a good time to mention that one of Trump's largest financial contributors is the chairman of Marble Entertainment, Isaac Perlmutter. Just saying. Which, good point. I mean, if we're going to start to call out people who support Trump, why stop at SoulCycle and Equinox? I think it's really fun to shit on SoulCycle and Equinox because um, insufferable people go to Equinox and participate in SoulCycle. So it's, like, very fun to do it right now. Yeah. But it's, like... Obviously, it's not just Equinox and SoulCycle. It's also the MCU, which a lot of us really love, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I'm actually, like, looking to try and find a, another tweet that I really loved about uh, about the SoulCycle Equinox mm-hmm. stuff. But um, the they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if we're doing this. But also, I don't think there's ever a bad time to decide you're not going to support bullshit. I thought you were going to say there's never a bad time to stop supporting Equinox. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm pretty sure Equinox gave me MRSA. So okay, um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, and I almost tweeted. Oh my god, that back where I was like, well, you know, if we're talking about Equinox, a friend of mine maybe got it. Yeah. MRSA. All right, so, so first of all, I want to, I'm going to like. Do this, uh, read this tweet yes. from Zach Stafford of The Advocate um, in West Hollywood talking about the uh, protests that were planned for Friday in West Hollywood. Um, <laughs> quote, knowing that my outrageous as it is membership fee could fuel the slightest amount of hate is justification enough to walk away and resist, said one WeHo member who has canceled his membership. Quote, defeating hate is more important than abs and a steam room. <laughs> I mean, fact. Yes, but, but also... also- <laughs> Someone said that out loud. Someone said that. People are ridiculous. God bless West okay. Hollywood. So I also so, wanted to talk about 8chan, yeah. as I said before in the bad news section. I am putting this in the good news section because anytime white supremacists and misogynists are frustrated, I think it's very funny. So uh, obviously 8chan ran into a little bit of a hurdle because they were shut down over the weekend. Um, Cloudflare terminated the messaging board, so now they are they scrambled to find yeah. somebody else to host them, um, which of course won't be an issue. They'll find somebody. Uh, I, they probably have already found somebody um, to host them again. But I do think it's an encouraging sign that it's getting harder and harder for them to find a platform mm-hmm. where they can do this. Yeah. As I mentioned before. I don't think it's going to solve white supremacy, solve misogyny mm-hmm. or anything like that, as you very articulately <laughs> just talked about. It's it's a much more complicated deprogramming process. But I always think it's important to make white supremacists and misogynists feel like their views are not mainstream. But also I think that even on top of that, 
yes, there's only so much we can do for people that are already determined to be a part of this com these communities that as they form, the harder it is to find them, mm -hmm. the uh, harder it will be for people who might potentially be at risk mm -hmm. uh, to find it. I mean, that's the reason why when we talk about YouTube's issue with its recommendation algorithm is so upsetting and nefarious because you can go from unboxing Adora the Explorer doll video to like, here's why the Jews and like so uh, whatever, like yeah. in, within like a feel, like all you have to do is let it play. And I think that we like, again, this is, you don't have to censor the internet no. to, uh, to make it like less, not evil. Like, <laughs> yeah. And to, to make it like less simple to get to some of the worst shit. So I will know? say, I've, I've just talked about, you know, like I'm anti-censorship for the internet, obviously. YouTube's algorithm is like a classic example of, you could convince me that we need to outlaw that. I also truly, think that you like- can, You can be on YouTube and start with, say your kid's really into gymnastics or yeah. something. You can start with like searching on YouTube for- uh, eighth grade gymnastics, mm -hmm. something like that. And it will, s like, recommend within three recs on that right-hand side. Yeah. It will lead you to basically kitty porn. Yeah. That should not be. No. And <laughs> so, I mean, when we talk about these things, like, in the same way that, like, we can't stop people from having these ideas, but the companies that are responsible for hosting, right. for for making these things available, for making them widely available. Like, it is possible to say, like, you know, it's good that Cloudflare was like, we're not gonna support this, and so they'll go to some place that's less scrupulous. Um, but, like, is an algorithm free speech? Like, right. this is, and this is actually a question that I'm genuinely, I would be really curious if, if listeners had thoughts about this, because mm -hmm. it's not, a video it's not someone giving an opinion it is computer it's ai learning suggesting like pushing you towards new it, content it's ai that's been programmed by people who benefit from manipulating behavior right so it is hard for me to uh, i i mean i don't know how you'd even say like algorithms or like x algorithms are illegal i mean that's basically impossible too right. but I, there has to be some way in which there's regulation that makes it harder for these things to be yeah. such a, like, close skip. Because right now, YouTube's algorithm is based on, we want you to keep clicking as much as possible and keep watching. watching as long as yeah. possible. Which is why you go down this rabbit hole of insanity. Where yeah, it's, it's like, like you start out and you're just like, I want to watch this like Al Jazeera documentary about water purification in like the desert. And the next thing you know, you're in like a flat earther lizard people that video. It always ends with flat earthers where it's like, say you watch the loose change video, right? Then it starts recommending you Alex Jones. But also don't do that. Don't like. do that. <laughs> but like I watched it because it was fucking everywhere when yeah. it first came out, right? But if you start watching that, then it starts recommending Alex Jones. Then it starts recommending like, yeah, like water conspiracy mm -hmm. theory videos. Then before you know it, you're on flat earther videos. And I think it's very easy to laugh at conspiracy theorists and say they're stupid, but... YouTube is built to lead you down that rabbit hole. Well, it, 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 like, obviously, we're supposed to be in the good news section. I so know. let me see <laughs> if I can bring it back around. So a thing that was really interesting to me was um, the, like, something that came out of all of the sort of Summer of Scam articles, the people talking about Elizabeth Holmes and the fake heiress, and at this point, you know, this weird lady in Boston, mm -hmm. um, is that... There have been writers and reporters who've been doing work to illustrate that it's actually a hell of a lot easier to be taken in by a scammer than you think. Mm. Um, and starting to actually talk about how vulnerable we all are, regardless yes. of how smart we think we are. Yes. And so I think that there is a way in which that, like, maybe there is an opening in looking at some of these terrible like algorithmic things as 
scams Mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know nazis Mm -hmm. are part you know it's like but that if it's fraudulent information then like maybe there's some way to to do this like sure it is illegal to tell someone that you know to like make someone give you money to like and then promise you riches and then bring them into a pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. uh but like i don't know convincing someone that the Jews control the media and that like yeah it's not you until know, like QAnon, money's like, involved yeah if money's involved then suddenly it's a crime right but if, if you're it, just poisoning if you're your doing brain. if you're doing it for free on YouTube and, and saying yeah. that you know Jewish people run the world th- that's not a crime yeah if you're talking about QAnon and JFK lives and is a Trump supporter like did you see that video of that woman who's a family doctor I don't even want to talk about it it's that too is upsetting. so upsetting you never want to you know. think about QAnon conspiracy theorists yeah. being in charge of your like children's medical oh, advice yeah. <laughs> um, well I mean that's what I think about when I think about Republicans uh, senators who are also doctors and I was just like you were helping teenagers with their um but what the point i was trying to get to is that i think that um we don't have to keep this in mind all the time but i think it's useful to remember that if there's anything we can learn from the summer of scammers and some of these things it's that we are all a lot more susceptible to bad information and uh you know a certain amount of chicanery and brainwashing than we would ever like to admit and there's and you really really don't know it's happening Mm -hmm. when it is happening for real and so like maybe we can I don't don't think we have to have a lot of sympathy for these people I Mm -hmm. think that we can be very very angry and I think that we can absolutely support like uh shunning and social consequences and like genuine resistance against them um but if there's any way to sort of look at this stuff and wonder, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do when there's mm-hmm. no way to actually stop it, maybe there's some place to start with, like, thinking a little bit about how you would hope your loved ones would react if you got pulled into it. Empathizing, yeah. for sure. But and I also, mean, yeah. and, and being vigilant, because I, th- I think you're right. I think it is arrogant to think it could never happen to me yeah because we know we we know that smart people join cults all the time yeah we also know that our like parents like friends parents suddenly end up like with fox brain worms Mm. at like in no time at all and it doesn't mean they're they're dumb it means that listen there are so many uh some of them are not so sophisticated but there are some sophisticated sophisticated propaganda brainwashing like people want to believe this stuff for a reason and Mm -hmm. some of it some of it yeah is just like the racism (laughs) you know a lot of it is racism but also but all it takes is one all it takes is one kernel that hooks you uh and makes you think well you know actually this person has this a good idea and keeps you listening and and then slowly gets you into this and i think like yeah this is like I'm not going to be like, I don't have any interest in being, you know, particularly kind at all to someone who's going to be a a racist or a conspiracy theorist. But I also like want to think critically about how difficult I would imagine it would be to try and deal with like bringing someone back from that and trying to do that. And I I also think it's it's important to think about the delivery system of how we consume information, Mm -hmm. whether it's TV, whether it's YouTube, it's, it's good to be aware that, there there are algorithms at play in yeah. how we view videos. Oh my god, are we the algorithm conspiracy theorists <laughs> now? We are. we are. Everything's an algorithm. Uh and yeah, just be just be aware that you're being fed things because somebody um in in Silicon Valley programmed yeah. an algorithm to work that way. I'm just gonna sign off by saying uh anyone who hasn't seen the movie Dark City by Alex Proyas starring Rufus Stool Sewell from the uh 1997 I think it came out two years before the matrix and was basically like the darker weirder version of the matrix mm-hmm. with no kung fu or bullet time mm-hmm. um it reminds me of uh, what it must be like to fall down a youtube hole mm-hmm. and I will sign off by saying jet fuel does not melt steel okay so let's all keep that in <laughs> mind all right Go watch Loose Change. Don't watch Loose Change. Please don't. Uh, no. <laughs> please don't. Please don't feed the YouTube algorithm. But do please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. 
you want to plug Patreon? Yeah. Uh, new episodes airing every Sunday. Uh, they drop like 3 a.m. Uh, Eastern time on every Sunday. Patriot Act with Hasan Minaj. Um, we've, we did a episode on video games and labor rights. Mm-hmm. We got some good old fashioned things are fucked up with heroin coming mm-hmm. up. He's great. And, uh, yeah, and Boy, he's a, handsome. Yeah, he's charming, and uh, <laughs> he's a he's a smart dude. He's with crushing uh, it. Yeah, he's crushing it. Yeah. I am very happy to have him as my boss. Very cool. Uh, Guys, thanks so much for listening. We are 100% listener supported. That's why uh, you didn't hear any commercials on this episode. If you go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button to keep us going. Or you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month, we didn't get to Patreon questions this time. Next episode, next week we will. Uh, you can send questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. $10 a month, you get to do the online hangout every month, which is very fun. And you get to support the show. That's how I keep bringing you new episodes. That's how I've done it all of these years. Isn't help that her, amazing? Help her keep doing it, guys. She's crushing it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy your weekend. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>